the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. There are some Christians who are very much like these men that that Winston Churchill was talking about. They are hesitant to take up arms against the enemy of their soul, Satan. In their mind, the Christian worldview is about being positive and peaceful and kind and caring and and gentle. And they see no room in their worldview for any kind of struggle, for any kind of fighting. And certainly the Bible commands us to be men and women of peace. And the Bible commands us to be caring and gentle and, and kind. But it also tells us that we are soldiers at war. We must fight. My friends, we are in a war. I have heard it said that too many people think of the church as a cruise ship, when in reality it is a battleship. Today on Verse by Verse, we will continue to study about the armor of God, which the Apostle Paul described in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse by Verse is a daily radio Bible class led by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving as the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981. In our last few classes, we discussed the first part of the armor that Paul listed, the belt of truth. Today, Pastor Steve will move on to the next step in getting dressed for the battle that rages around us, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Here is Pastor Steve to tell us what it is, what it does for us, and how to put it on. One of the great men of our generation was Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of England during World War II. Churchill was a man of strength. He was a man of courage. He was a man who understood that the only way to deal with an evil tyrant like Adolf Hitler was by a determination to fight him and resist his aggression. And we look back at that and we say, well, of course, but in, in uh, Churchill's day, not everybody in England agreed with him. Many of England's leaders prior to World War II believed that appeasing Hitler was the way to contain his antagonism. And so they pretty much did nothing, hoping the problem would just go away. And here's what Churchill said about the passivity of those who were opposed to fighting. He accused them of being, and I quote, decided only to be undecided, resolved to be irresolute, adamant for drift, solid for fluidity, all-powerful for, all-powerful to be impotent. He had a way with, with words. But you know what? There are some Christians who this would describe as well. There are some Christians who are very much like these men that, that Winston Churchill was talking about. They are hesitant to take up arms against the enemy of their soul, Satan. In their mind, the Christian worldview is about being positive and peaceful and kind and caring and, and gentle, and they see no room in their worldview for any kind of struggle, 
for any kind of fighting. And certainly the Bible commands us to be men and women of peace. And the Bible commands us to be caring and gentle and and kind. But it also tells us that we are soldiers at war. We must fight. For example, in Jude, in his little letter, Jude tells us to contend for the faith which was once and for all given to the saints. We are to fight for the truth. And Paul specifically told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, that he was a soldier. Here's, here's what he said to Timothy. And if you've never seen this, this is, this is important. He said, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. He said to young Timothy, who was hesitant to get in the battle who tended to be timid, that he needed to suffer hardship. He needed to to get away from the entanglements and give himself with full commitment to his commander-in-chief. It was Paul who also had previously told Timothy to fight the good fight. And later he said, fight the good fight of faith. Paul certainly exhorted Timothy to be a fighter. Peter tells us that we also battle our own flesh, our own fleshly desires. He he said in First Peter 2.11 that uh, our fleshly lusts wage war against our souls. So we, we not only are fighting to contend for the faith, we're not only fighting the devil, we're not only out there battling, but we battle ourselves, our own sinful desires. And at the end of his life, after battling false teachers and battling satanic attacks and disobedient brethren and even his own sinful desires, the Apostle Paul would say triumphantly, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. You see, the Apostle Paul, like all the other apostles, understood that the Christian life involved fighting and warfare. And therefore, when we come to Ephesians chapter 6, Paul gives us a stirring call to stand up, take up our armor, put it on, and face the enemy with faith in the Lord. And so I invite you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We began this series several weeks ago called Spiritual Warfare because it is in this passage of Scripture, unique in all the Bible, that Paul reveals to us that not only are we at war with the devil, but he is a wicked and cunning and deceitful enemy who has all kinds of schemes. Therefore, we better be prepared. And this passage of Scripture tells us how to be prepared. It tells us that God has provided six specific items of armor, clothing designed to protect us in our spiritual battles. He adds prayer to that at the end, but six specific items of of armor. And each piece of clothing was based upon the literal battle gear worn by a Roman soldier of that day. And then what Paul did is he took the the literal battle gear and then he spiritually applied the truth that, that would be implemented in our lives. He spiritually applied to the Christian struggle all the truth that comes out of the armor of a Roman soldier of that day. So therefore, in studying the armor of God, we need to not only understand the background of the first century Roman soldier's warfare and and battle gear, but also how each piece of, of armor not only protected these soldiers, but how it protects us in a spiritual sense. Now, last week, we began to look at the first piece of armor found in verse 14, 
And Paul says, having girded your loins with truth. This is a belt or that uh, more ancient term, girdle. But it's a belt. And the purpose of a soldier's belt, we said, was to hold in place all the loose clothing. They wore an outer garment that, uh, that was loose, that was draped over everything. And so they needed, before they went into hand-to-hand combat, they needed to make sure that that didn't get in the way. How, how, could, you, how could you fight a man and, and have that uh, clothing just moving around? So they, the belt was there to tuck that loose clothing in. It, it was really a mark of being prepared. It meant that you were ready. That's, that's what this is about. It's just about readiness. You, you can never face the enemy unless you have anything uh, that would entangle you tucked in. It's a mark of readiness. So what he's telling us, the first thing that we need to do in getting ready for war is we must have a belt that prepares us for our struggles with Satan. And that belt that God has provided is called truth. In other words, what makes us ready for combat is being mastered by the truth. It is a commitment to the truth of the word of God. Otherwise, you will be deceived and you will be led astray from seeing life from God's perspective and pleasing the Lord by obeying him. We need to be governed by the truth. We need to have an overall understanding of the Bible, a belief in the Bible, and a submission to the Bible. A commitment to live by the Bible is the thought. Now, this morning, we want to discover the the second item of clothing that God has provided for us. Having wrapped ourselves in the belt of truth as soldiers of Christ committed to his word, we're now ready to move out. And what do we need? As we move out, we need our breastplate put on. And so Paul goes on to say in verse 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, as we did last week, it's helpful, I think, as you go through these expressions to ask several questions that lead us to a full understanding and and pulling out all the truths that are in this concept of the breastplate of righteousness. So I want to ask three questions. I want us to ask three questions this morning, and I trust as we get into the Bible, you'll see by an answer to these questions what this is all about. Question number one is, what was the function of a Roman soldier's breastplate? We have to understand the background if we're to understand how it applies to us. So what, what did, how did that function for him? Second question, in what way does God's, uh, or does righteousness, I should say, provide protection? It has to in some way because it is the breastplate of righteousness. So in what way does righteousness provide protection? We might add by that, what kind of righteousness is he talking about? Third question is, how do we put on the breastplate of righteousness? Practically speaking, how do you put it on? This is not something physical as a Roman soldier's breastplate was. This is spiritual. How do you put it on? So let's begin by asking the first question that helps us to understand the meaning of the breastplate of righteousness, and it's this. What was the function of a Roman soldier's breastplate? Well, we begin by saying this. No Roman soldier would think of ever going into battle without his breastplate on. Why? Because without question, without doubt, the breastplate was the most essential piece of armor that he wore, even more important than his helmet. Remember, when we're dealing with warfare and we're dealing with armor, forget modern day warfare. You've got to think 
about it back then. I say it was more important than even his helmet because the swords that were used in hand-to-hand combat were short swords, more like daggers. They were not long broadswords that could chop someone's head off. You didn't need protection just from coming down. I mean, not usually. That could happen. But most of the time, it was hand-to-hand combat with little daggers. And the breastplate's function then was to protect the soldier from those sharp daggers that could penetrate his midsection or these, these unexpected arrows that could penetrate. Pastor Steve will be right back to tell us how the breastplate of righteousness helps us in our spiritual battles. First, though, we would like to briefly pause to welcome you who have just tuned in. We're glad you could join us for Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We just heard that the Roman breastplate protected the soldier's midsection from the weapons of his enemy. That makes sense, but what about the breastplate of righteousness? Just as the physical breastplate protected important stuff, the breastplate God wants us to wear also protects something very important. Here is Pastor Steve to tell us what it is. Now, let's take it a step further. It is important to understand the design of the Roman soldier's breastplate in order to grasp the overall purpose of that breastplate and how it applies to us. The Roman breastplate covered the complete upper body of a soldier, really from from his neck down to his uh, upper thighs. And it was usually made of, of heavy linen, could be leather, to which overlapping pieces of horn or metal discs were, were attached. Sometimes the breastplate was actually made of large pieces of metal that would have been molded or hammered to conform to the soldier's body. So they used different materials, but regardless of the material that they used, the function was always the same and the purpose was the, was the same. It was to protect the soldier's midsection or what we would call his, his trunk. And it would protect those organs that we refer to as the vital organs, lungs and and heart and uh, intestines and everything else that's there, that type of thing. We call them vital organs. Now, this may sound obvious to you, and it is obvious, but it is a significant obvious point. Why? Because Bible writers had a name for the midsection of a human body. They called the vital organs. They refer to it as the inward parts or the bowels. Now that sounds strange to us today, but, but remember, you, when you study the Bible, you have to forget that you're a modern American or a modern any culture and go back to how they thought in biblical times. See, in, in ancient Hebrew thinking, the bowels or the stomach or inward parts were associated with feelings and with affections. And that is to say that the reason for this is because emotions tend to give us feelings in our stomachs. At least that's how we express it. There may be a more technical way of saying it. There may be a more scientific way of saying it. But we still speak like that. We say, for example, I have butterflies in my, in my stomach. Or we might say, uh, uh, my stomach was in my throat. Or I have this bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. It may have nothing to do with your stomach, but that's how those feelings and emotions tend to to express themselves. And so we read, for example, 
in 1 John 3.17, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Now, John is speaking about affection. He's speaking about compassion. But that, that expression, closes his heart, the word heart is literally inward parts or bowels. It's, it's not heart. It's just translated that way, I suppose, because in our modern thinking, it's kind of hard to say, I have feelings in my bowels for you. That just sounds odd. But, but that is how the ancients thought. So we also read, for example, in Philippians 2.1, uh, about affection and compassion and mercies. But it's really, once again, the same word, inward parts or bowels, simply meaning affection and, and feelings. Now, the reason... The reason this is important to understand is because this reveals why we need a breastplate to protect us in our war with with the devil. Now watch this. This is the point. Just as we need the belt of truth to protect our thinking, to protect our minds, so we need a breastplate to protect our feelings, our affections, our emotions. Why? Because just as the devil attacks our minds with his lies, so he attacks our emotions and our desires in order to lead us astray, and you want to be protected in that area. In other words, he wants you to set your love, your affection, your desires on the wrong things, not on the Lord and the things of God, but on the things that give you pleasure, the things that give me pleasure, the desires of our own sinful hearts. He wants to draw you away from love and devotion to Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. We who say we love the Lord. We who say we have, we have affection for the Lord. We who say that, that we are loyal to Christ. What Satan attempts to do is draw away our hearts and affection from him. In fact, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, a passage we've looked at many times before, you'll, you'll see it coming at it from another angle. You'll see precisely what his goal is. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 3, Paul says, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, remember we looked at this last week, And the serpent here is speaking of Satan. He deceived Eve by his craftiness. Your minds, now Satan attacks our minds, but his ultimate goal in attacking our minds is to what? It's to lead astray, lead us astray from, notice this, the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That's his goal. That's why he attacks us. He wants to move you away from that wonderful love relationship with the Lord. Not in the sense of losing your salvation, but in the sense that you no longer will have that affection for Christ. You no longer will fill your heart with love. You no longer will love the Lord your God with all of your soul, heart, mind, and strength. You'll love other things. And so he he targets our emotions in order to elicit from us evil responses. See, the devil knows that feelings play a major part. In, in our lives. Therefore, he plays upon those emotions and wants to use them to lead you away from doing what's right and doing what's biblically correct. And that is why it is absolutely crucial that we have our emotions and desires and affection and love protected. Now, the protection a Roman soldier had was a leather, as we said, or a linen or metal breastplate. But obviously, that's not what we're talking about with us. That wouldn't protect us from the devil. 
The breastplate that God has provided for us is righteousness. That's why it's called the breastplate of righteousness. And that leads us to question number two. Question number one is, what was the function of the Roman soldier's breastplate? It was to protect his midsection, his vital organs. But the second question is this. In what way does righteousness provide protection for us? It has to in some way, but unless we understand what he's talking about, you and I will have no clue as to how to be protected. Righteousness has been, has been provided by God to protect our feelings and emotions. But once again, we have to make an interpretive decision. Now, we had to make one last week about the belt of truth. What truth was he referring to? The overall contents of Scripture or truthful character and honesty? And I presented to you last week uh, many of the arguments for why it is the content of truth, the Bible. But we have to make an interpretive decision at this point regarding the word righteousness. You see, the Bible refers to essentially three types of righteousness, and we have to know which one it is. Now, number one, one kind of righteousness that the Bible speaks of is self-righteousness, which is really not righteousness at all. It's just the label we give to that. In fact, ironically, self-righteousness is the most dangerous of all sins. It's not righteousness at all. It's wickedness. Self-righteousness is the most arrogance of beliefs that we are good people. We are good people and that our character and behavior are acceptable to God. And a person who believes that is lost. They've never come to Christ because the Bible clearly addresses self-righteousness and tells us that we're not righteous. If you don't think that you uh, are sinful, if you see yourself as righteous, you don't need a savior. Why would you come to Christ to save you from your sin if you don't have any sin? And so the Bible is very clear on this. For example, Isaiah 64, 6, all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. If you think you're righteous, you're not. It's like a filthy, dirty rag. Matthew 5, 20, Jesus said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, and they were, they were outwardly righteous. They kept all the, the laws and more. Jesus said, unless your righteousness surpasses external duty, You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. There must be internal righteousness, not just external. And then Romans 3.10, I don't know how the word of God could be more specific and direct. There is none righteous, not even one. Nobody's righteous. Self-righteousness is a wicked, wicked sin. Self-righteousness doesn't protect anyone from the devil. In fact, self-righteousness is what the devil uses to deceive us to hell. So he's certainly not talking about this. And I, and I might add at this point that though believers, to be a believer, you must denounce any self-righteousness. There are times where Christians, those who have come to faith in Christ, tend to fall into self-righteousness in their thinking. There are times if, if they believe, for example, that their own legalistic rules and accomplishments please God. They don't. They don't. We need to be careful about that. If the kind of righteousness Paul intended was not self-righteousness, what kind of righteousness was it? There are two other kinds, and I think it will be clear by the time we finish our next lesson together what Paul meant by the breastplate of righteousness. But our time is drawing to a close for today, so I hope you can rejoin us for our next class. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida is leading us in a series of studies about spiritual warfare. 
Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside for more than 26 years. If you find yourself in Clearwater on a Sunday morning with no place to worship, Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road, midway between U.S. Highway 19 and the beaches. If you missed the start of class or you want to go back and review a previous program, we make them available at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can either listen online or download the file for later. We also offer a free podcasting service as well as a complimentary newsletter. That's versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the start of a three-part message. It is often helpful to listen to a message all at one time. If you would like to do that, you can order an audio CD or a cassette tape by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. These programs have been produced by Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. As Pastor Steve said earlier, there are three kinds of righteousness. And as we have seen, the first kind, self-righteousness, does not protect us from anything. So what kind of righteousness is it that protects our hearts and our emotions from satanic attack? That will be our main topic next time on Verse by Verse. This is Peter Silseth, and I hope to see you then. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.